Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod. My name is Andrew Latimer. My name's Andrew Satch, and we're friends basically just talking about what we've learned from Mark's Gospel. We've been studying it in our church, and this is just a conversation on the back of some studies we've done. And we're looking today at how John the Baptist lost his head. So we're in chapter 6, um, verses 1 to 30. And it's a sort of a, we, we've talked about this kind of sandwich structure that Mark sometimes likes to do. So he did it in chapter 3. Uh, we did it in the last study where he, with the, the bleeding woman and Jairus' daughter. What do you mean by sandwich lectures? Just people who are hungry and think only of lunch. Um, so he starts a story and gets, gets you interested in it. And then he presses pause, lets you in on another story, and then he unpauses it and you get back to the first story at the end. And because it's structured like that, you have to kind of see these are meant to be together in some way. And it invites a sort of question about that. So in this case, um, he sends out his first mission team. Um, Mark chapter 6 verse 7 to 13 and then press pause we hear about King Herod and then the mission team come back in verse 30 yeah and I think it will probably help us if we look at the jam first so let's look at verse 14 onwards and um, in this picture we're, we're introduced to um, uh, Herod and um, Herod's got this problem in his life um, he's got he's got two ears and he's hearing one thing in one ear and another thing in the other ear. Do you want to tell us what, what are the two voices in Herod's life? Well, it's actually, it's actually a flashback, isn't it? So John Herod is confused about who Jesus is because basically he's haunted by a memory of something terrible he did um, to John the Baptist. And he, he wonders whether God has raised John the Baptist from the dead. And that's who Jesus actually is. And then we get, when we get the flashback, and basically, on the one, as you say, the two ears, on the one hand, Herod enjoys the preaching of John the Baptist and hears him gladly, we're told. Um, on the other hand, he's got in his other ear Herodias, who's his brother's wife, who he's shacked up with. So he's in this adulterous relationship. And actually, the two voices directly compete with each other because the John the Baptist voice is saying to him, you shouldn't be with your brother's wife. And his brother's wife's voice is saying to him, "Is you shouldn't listen to this prophet anymore, but kill him." So they're they're, they're absolutely opposites. And he sort he thinks he's got the best of all worlds. He's in some ways you could say it's a middle way, but I don't think it is. So he, in as much as putting someone in prison is a neutral act, <laughs> so so he 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 gets uh, locks John up in his dungeon. But then as a sort of a middle way, he he occasionally brings him up from the dungeon to the chapel and you know lets him say what he wants to say again and it says uh, in verse 20 he feared john he knew that he was a righteous and holy man so he kept him safe and mm. when he says kept him safe he means he's not in danger from animals he's in danger from his um, brother's wife so this is already we've we've told enough of the story to see why it's going to start to speak to us and be relevant in in lots of different situations so here's a man who is hearing the word of god knows it's right won't follow through on the costly implications of it so he doesn't want to get rid of his um partner um even though it's an illicit relationship but he doesn't want to stop listening to the bible so he's kind of in church on sunday but he's living with his mistress on during the week is this he's on this sort of halfway house sitting on the fence 
and as you say it looks like it looks like the best of both worlds to him and and then it all untangles very very rapidly there, there's this um pregnant phrase but an opportunity came verse 21 uh, when herod was on his birthday and it well, I, I think there may be a slight ambiguity. Is it an opportunity to repent? And then we discover it's it's not. The opportunity is missed. Um, but on this day, we discover that what he thought was a stable situation uh, is not stable at all. Do you want to tell us what goes, what happens? Well, it's actually a very sordid and ugly episode in every, in every way. It's a, a banquet for the leading men of Galilee. And Herodias' daughter comes in and um, dances for him and you know he's excited by this dance by this young girl um, and you, know, you can imagine he's had quite a lot to drink as well and in this rash moment he promises this girl that he obviously has eyes for I'll give you anything up to half your king up to half my kingdom but we then find out that the the girl is a puppet for her mother um, Herodias the the woman that he should have um, he shouldn't been in a relationship with and so the little girl sort of goes out behind, outside the door and Herodias is there saying, Mummy, Mummy, he said, he's excited by my dance and he said he'll give me anything. What shall I ask for? And she goes, ask for John the Baptist's head on a plate. Like immediately she's ready for this. Locked and loaded. She knew, she knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes, so she goes and asks, oh, I want John the head of John the Baptist on a plate. And then there's this awful verse, verse 26. The king was exceedingly sorry but because of his oaths and his guests, he didn't want to break his word to her. And he basically chooses murder over losing social face. Um, it's it's a terrible moment. And yeah, he, it's pretty easy to do if you're the king. You just give the instruction and the executioner goes and get, gets the head. And it, it gets served up on a plate. And it, it's just a grotesque banquet. And... I guess probably meant to contrast with the banquet of King Jesus just about to happen, the feeding of the 5,000, which in every way is a beautiful and amazing salvation feast, whereas this is a horrific, murderous feast. And then at the end, the head gets passed along, back along the chain of causation. So the head is given to the girl, and then the girl gives it to her mother. Yeah. And we, we, we see in this not just the, the grotesqueness of it, but the the inevitable outworking of uh, Herod's scheme. So Herod thinks he can fence it. He thinks he can keep everything in control in an unrepentant state. And we see that it's not stable and, and he ends up having the one voice that was calling him in the right direction is now beheaded. And that's now a silent voice. And it, the, the, the moment has passed and he now only has one voice in his ear and... and that the, the opportunity for repentance has passed. And it's not only that he beheads the true voice, but he gives in to the false voice. So as in the, the, the thing that causes the beheading is the words of Herodias. And had he broken off the relationship as he, as his conscience and as the words of John told him he must do, he would never have been in this position. So it's, it's like he's on a fence, sitting on a fence and he's being pulled off it. And he thinks he can do the balancing act and and he can't. And we know how he's left at the end of it because the passage begins with this sort of, he's a tortured, uneasy, he's got this uneasy conscience. John, whom I have beheaded, has been raised. He, he, the, the episode is over, but it haunts him uh, daily. 
if we were to just then sort of pick out the key lesson for this episode, <clears throat> why is Mark giving us the flashback? Um, it's something like, you cannot sit on the fence when the message of repentance comes to you. Well, you, I mean, you can sit on the fence, but it, you won't stay on the fence. You're, you're going to fall off. And unless we get off the fence on the right side voluntarily, we'll be dragged off the fence on the wrong side. Yeah, unrepentance is a very unstable and dangerous place to be. And and then once we've, I think that is the this this his hideous episode is the jam in the middle of the the sandwich. And once we've got that um, part of the puzzle in place, it does kind of shine a light on the other part. Do you want to talk talk us through some of the bready bits? Well, so the bread is just Jesus sending out his first mission team. So he the twelve apostles he's appointed. He sends them out in pairs gives them authority over unclean spirits. They do the same as he's been doing, basically preaching and exercising demons and healing people. So the message of Jesus is now multiplied 12-fold. And you might think, oh, you know, how is this related? Um, And you're kind of looking for the connection because you've seen the sandwich structure. And then you look at verse 12 and and you find out that they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Oh, there's the connection. Um, that the message that the apostles have is actually the same as the message that Jesus had is the same as the message that John the Baptist had. And that's what we know John for, isn't it? When he was introduced at the beginning of the gospel, he was preaching a, a baptism of repentance and say, um, yeah, we when we find him, you know, calling Herod to repent, it, we're not surprised about it. And so this, it seems like this idea of, that the message of repentance is what binds this whole thing together. And it's even what Jesus was known for from in chapter one. And we're, there was that little line that we almost didn't notice at the time when it, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went out and began to proclaim the kingdom of God, saying, the kingdoms of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. And it was just that throwaway line after John was put in prison. And now we find out the whole story about that imprisonment and the subsequent killing. I think there's there's other clues here that the 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 life of John and the life of Jesus are going to go the same way. So they're both repentance preachers. They're both going to be killed. And actually the language of when an opportunity came for Herodias is going to be very similar to when the opportunity came for the chief priests who were against Jesus. And then they take John the Baptist's body and laid it in a tomb, which is pretty much identical to the phrase later in the gospel when they took Jesus' body and laid it in a tomb so we're finding out that that the message of repentance is it was key to jesus it was key to john and it was key to why people hated and killed them yeah and when um jesus gives um advice to uh, his disciples who are called the 12 here when he tells them how on their missionary journey this is unusual instructions aren't they well he gives packing advice which we we weren't ready for at all um You've and, done mission trips before. Well, when you yeah. Were younger. Did you ever pack like this? Malaria um, <laughs> pills is the key thing, isn't it? Um, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, um, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. So, it's the strangeness of the advice is that it, there's not much slack in the system. If they um, they have to basically depend on the people they're going to visit. I mean, it's it's totally crazy advice, isn't it? It's like, don't take a change of clothes, don't take any food, don't take any... So you, you've packed so irresponsibly lightly that you cannot survive. 
Exactly. And then he goes on to anticipate why this is. So verse 10, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. If any place will not receive you, will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So basically what, what's happening is they're going out on mission. And as you say, they are because they've got no food and because they've got no warm clothes, they have to stay in a house and they have to be fed. By it. But the people that have got to feed and clothe them are the people that are listening to their message. So instead of we do a mission trip and the options are tick, I would like to find out more by maybe doing a Christianity Explorer course. The options are yes, the preacher can stay with me in my house <laughs> yeah. for the next week and I'll feed and clothe them or no, and then they're going to leave and shake off the dust. So it's you, you can't be moderately interested in this message. You've either got to accommodate the missionary or they're off. And it seems as though Jesus is deliberately um, stopping the opportunity for fence-sitting. He, he, he's forcing the issue. He's going for the conscience straight away and saying, you, even as you're listening, you're, you're having to think, um, what's my response to this? I can't just keep putting it off. Um, and we, we, that on its own would be interesting, but obviously the jam in the sandwich has told us why what Jesus is doing is very, very loving. So because fence-sitting in the end is unstable and impossible, Jesus tries to set it up so you can't sit on the fence, at least with this particularly unusual. I mean, this isn't a blueprint for all Christian mission, but he's doing it to make this particular point. But I guess, therefore, the application for us is... As we hear the word of Jesus and there's something that he identifies in our life that needs to change, we must change it. You, you, there's, a, there's an urgency about it. And he, Jesus is trying to tell us in the very way that the message comes to us, act now and decisively. Because if you kid yourself that you can safely delay it, you are, you are deceived and it's going to end really horribly. And and the idea of this passage is it's it's meant to get under our skin and catch us out at that moment where we're we're tempted to be a Herod and to try and ride two horses and yes I'll continue um, trying to listen to God's word but not putting it into practice which is is our current constant temptation we should think oh no I don't want that Herod experience that it ended very very badly and we should be we should you know and caught up short and and just warned against that and i guess you know herod isn't the atheist he's not the neither is he the um sort of person who's apathetic about church i mean he he loves hearing christian preaching that's why he's such a scary example so he, he loves all the trappings of the christian message except having to act on it in the one area of his life that he doesn't want to give up yeah and and i guess there may be another smaller line of application as well about uh, t- to whatever extent we're like the um, disciples bringing a message. Um, there's there's maybe some tips there. What would like you expect say? to be beheaded? <laughs> well, yeah, if you're a... John, I think persecution and calling for repentance will go together in Mark's gospel. That certainly happens for Jesus and for John. Um, but, but also there's a sort of um, tip about... Um, don't let people go on indefinitely asking their questions without pressing them. I think you, you said that you, you had an experience in your own life which was a lot of conversations which would go on to the next apologetic topic. What about this? What about that? It was with my grandfather, actually. So my, my grandfather was very hostile to the gospel, sadly. 
and would pick a fight about it. So I used to go and see him quite often. And every time I saw him, he'd want to pick a fight about Jesus. And he just wanted a big argument. And it was almost like he was justifying to himself. Well, I don't know what was going on in his head, but I wonder whether he was justifying to himself. Oh, God, I'm not not interested because I often asked Andrew about it. Like it would be his defence before God or something. But he always wanted an argument. And the time that actually kind of got through to him the most was when I when I refused to and I said Granted, you've, you've heard enough probably I don't think it's going to do much good because you, you know you already know what, what I think Let, let's not go there again and he was then very unsettled because the only thing left to do then was for him to decide rather than just to perpetuate arguing and I think I probably should have got there earlier to be honest I was just you know I argued with him again and again and again but that moment of wisdom when I said, look, you've heard enough, you've just got to decide. Yeah, and sometimes we'll be in conversations with with sceptical people and you get the sense that they don't actually want the answer. And and sometimes it's just sensible to say, listen, if I were to answer in a way that satisfied you, would would you be ready to to do what Jesus says? Or is this just another way of, will there be another question and another question indefinitely? And, and just call them out on it and, and show them that it's not going to help them to just keep them in the place they're in. Mm. Um, it, ha- it actually helps them to do what Jesus does here, which is to press the issue um, and, uh, you know, to show that fence-sitting isn't really an option. So if you had an, uh, one image for this passage, it's a, a banquet and it's got a silver cloth on a plate and you lift the silver cloth off and there's a severed head there. I mean, it is a gruesome, gruesome image, and it just is a warning. Do not try to sit on the fence, but repentance is is essential. We must repent right now. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, As you've heard, it's just two friends talking about something we've learned from Mark's Gospel. Uh, We hope it will be an encouragement to people in our church, but also further afield. So if you've enjoyed it, if it's a way in for you to Bible studies or discussions of Mark, then um, why not share it with friends as well? God bless. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.